ladies and gentlemen. If you like the strange or paranormal, you've come to the right place. But don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Don't Break the Oath podcast. Now, I've got a great interview lined up today, touching on gnomes, dwarves. Are they real? Uh, is there any sites around the world where you know these places are just too small for humans to inhabit? So who was living there? All that crazy stuff coming up. Yeah, that's with Sylvie. If you want to check out any of her work, just head over to either New Earth on YouTube, and you'll find the videos there, which are... You know, pretty good videos, and that's how I found her. Or you can go over to uh, megaliths.org and uh, make sure you put the S on the end of megaliths, uh, otherwise, you'll get another website that's not hers. Okay, so M E G A L I T H S dot org. Okay, um, also, I want to thank Brian from ghostquests.weebly.com. Uh, if you guys uh, can head over there, be much appreciated. Basically, it's a networking site for the paranormal researchers and enthusiasts. So, if you're into the paranormal, it's worth checking out. And he's uh, kindly featured us on his podcast wall, which is great. Also, uh, Kel, I'm presuming this is Kelly W. Uh, Kel W. Nineteen sixty one. Very uh, thank you very much for your review on iTunes and um, Barbara Suffolk. Uh, thank you very much for your review. On iTunes as well, although obviously yours was uh, criticising us for the sound quality, um, which I'm aware of. the The sound quality on the the, the first few shows was shit, basically. Um, it's improved as we're going along. We're in the process of getting new mics and all the rest of it. Also, this you know the Skype side of things. Obviously, there's not much I can do about that. Um, I, you know, I can clean it up best I can, but if it's a bad connection, it's a bad connection. It's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for your review anyway. But if you've got any, if you've got any feedback like that, then just let us know at dbtopodcast at gmail dot com. Also, another big thank you to Jerry and Tracy at Hillbilly Horror Stories. If you haven't checked them out, check them out. And incidentally, if there's anybody listening today or to any of the shows that's come across on the recommendation from them, then let me know at uh, the email address or on Twitter, and then I can give them the feedback because uh, the help's much appreciated. Right, on with the show. Okay, so I start by asking uh, whether she believes that our history is being covered up. Um, most of it. I think uh, maybe in general some 20% of what we read in the history book would be correct and the rest is just fiction. So you think 80% is fiction? About, yeah. in general, I can't, of course, measure precisely. No, 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 but, but it's a general thing. I mean, I, I would definitely say, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm probably up there with you, actually. I'm probably as high as 80, but I'd definitely say 50-50, uh, without a doubt. Um, but when we talk about gnomes and dwarfs, uh, are we talking about the same creature? Um... To my understanding, which is very limited, there are various uh, races of uh, dwarfs and gnomes themselves, 
and also there are like tribes or variations that uh, border there between men as we know them and dwarves so it's not just gnomes or dwarves uh, or even if they are different or not it's just a large variety of tribes as far as i have heard mm, so we could be looking at um maybe like uh, pygmy humans would you say probably yeah. um also not uh, just in terms of extinct uh, races even now I mean, in Asia, there are so many short people, especially in Bengal. Mm. I mean, they are like half size <laughs> than us. I find it difficult to imagine this to be a play of evolution. Why would people need to get so short there? I just don't uh, see any logic in that. Well, just a couple of hundred kilometers away live tribes which are our size. So yeah, that that's a that's a strange disparity, isn't it? You know, you got people living in the same area that are you know um, modern uh, human standard size, if you will, and then you got it's the same in um, I think the Congo's got some uh, pygmy tribes living in it, and uh, uh, maybe the Amazon rainforest as well. So maybe we are a mixture of, um, or, or they are a mixture of uh, what's gone before. But we're, um, and I know your YouTube uh, channel is really good for this. But where are these dwarfs, if you will? Where were where were these said to have lived? Um, you know, countries-wise. Um, most of the known, like historic sites that uh, are. Gnome size are in uh, Asia Minor, Europe and Asia, uh, all of Asia, not mm. only minor, but uh, in Asia Minor and the Middle East, there is a uh, high concentration also and in Siberia. And probably there could have been also lots of uh, such dwellings in uh, the most more densely populated regions of Asia, but simply because of modern construction we have destroyed their artifacts and dwellings. That's also a possibility. Mm. You think that was uh, deliberately done or just accident? Uh, some accident, some of course uh, deliberate, mm. like in the case of the dropped dwarfs from China. It's a typical story. They find uh, bodies, they find artifacts, and after that nobody knows anything and everything disappears. Mm. Uh, I mean, we've heard this uh, again and again, so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, on the bodies, and I guess that's a good place to start, is there is there any um, is there any known bodies of these people anywhere on display, or is it all hidden away? Um, no, we still have some. For example, I'm trying to make a collection in the dwarf section of... Uh, my megaliths uh, directory, for example, here we have a um, mummy in uh, f- from the San Pedro Mountain from the United States. Mm. It's uh, still here. Then uh, Brian Forrester, he is doing a, an excellent work in Peru. Mm-hmm. He is uh, filming and showing all kinds of uh, skulls and skeletons. Some of them are pretty dwarfish. Mm. And, of course, the officially accepted dwarves of Micronesia from the island of uh, Palau. And uh, then 
the other one from the Flores Islands in Indonesia, those are not denied. Those uh, uh, skeletons have not disappeared. They are just uh, out of the spotlight. So these dwellings, then, because when you look into folklore or, um, you know, storybooks and that, that talk about these things, they always seem to say that they lived in caves or uh, underground, these kinds of things. But, I mean, is that true? And uh, also, I mean, you've seen, I think you've actually seen dwellings that, you know, us, us as humans just couldn't get in. Care to elaborate on that? Yeah, uh, I myself uh, visited such in uh, Spain. That was my first experience. I mean, you you need to be there and uh, bump your head a few times in the stones while you try to walk a short distance very carefully. And then you realize that this was uh, not designed by... uh, People of our size, whatever they try to tell you, it was for hiding, it was for storage, it it doesn't uh, suit any of these purposes. And uh, often, I mean, it's that simple, the entrances are too small. They were... uh, that that's uh, in Spain, for example. Mm. Also, possibly some of the tunnels, but you can't even uh, go there because uh, the entrance is too small, or it has been enlarged because it was turned into a tourist site. Uh, uh, the the one I visited uh, had places the the doors between the rooms were visibly. Uh, widened for the tourists but uh, uh, so you mean like after after the fact you know people have gone in there and and opened them up so it looks more acceptable to to our eye well that's uh, they have made it just so that you can enter otherwise the hole is too small the larger bodied people they get stuck they they get stuck even nowadays in in some of the do- doors mm. Uh, many of the openings in between the chambers are for thin people only. Many of them, not only one. And the walking is, uh, is, uh, it's impossible. I mean, crawling is also, uh, very difficult. I hurt my back and, uh, you know, you go on four poles on all four over there. Mm. We're talking in a lot of these cases, uh, these are calves. Straight into the bedrock, or straight into the, uh, you know, into a cave, or rather than built, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's all I saw, and that was in Spain. Mm. Now here in this uh, region of uh, Germany, Switzerland, and Austria, uh, we have the so-called Erdstelle. Now those are so numerous that uh, many of them are still still in pristine condition. They uh, they are not so so much of a touristy thing, and they are not protected by law. This is a very easy way to make people destroy them themselves. Okay. Which is uh, going on with uh, uh, <clears throat> which is going on very fast actually. But uh, here, uh, yeah. I was myself in a tunnel. I couldn't even reach the end because um, it was just too narrow, even to pass through, even to crawl, not to mention waving around hammers and carrying baskets with stones. Yeah. <laughs> this is just Actually out of doing question. excavation. So, so in that tunnel that you was trapped in almost, was 
could you was there a room at the end or was... uh, yes it was um, <clears throat> my my boyfriend he was uh, crawling first and uh, he was always hoping there will be a wider place but mm. it got narrower and narrower uh, to the point that he couldn't turn then <laughs> we didn't know what to do and uh, then we decided just to go on and finally he found after 10 meters or something a place where he could finally turn back and uh, yes I, I believe there was 20 more meters and it was uh, even narrower hmm. and, and, what, so, and what's the uh, what's the archaeologist reason for this uh, I know you said like uh, sort of storage or or maybe hiding I mean is that the accepted explanation for it there as well um, well they say it's a mystery the official um, explanation is they're mysterious this mm. is a very elegant way to escape any explanation mm. while you neglect the sites put them out of the spotlight and uh, also local people, um, they're, they're not aware of their importance and uh, destroy them themselves. For example, in one uh, village of Austria, the older people still remember that there were, what was it, 64 such tunnels in this village alone. Now, mm -hmm. within uh, their own generation, they have all disappeared people building their cellars, cementing them over, plowing them over, or anything you can imagine. And currently only two or three are left somewhere, but they are in private houses, you know, full of uh, right, wine or potatoes. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that uh, tends to happen. So who did they, uh, who did they attribute these uh, tunnels and that to? Um, you know, the, you know, the historians. Uh, no, it's, of... it's, it's, a, it's a mystery. The Erdstelle, they say, we don't know. It could oh, be right. medieval. It could be older. Also, the connection with this uh, long system of long tunnels that stretch from uh, England to Turkey. Uh, no connection is made with them. Some of them are also very small. Now, that network is officially accepted, but it's, again, mystery. Nobody connects them. Are you talking about a tunnel that links Britain Tunnels. to, uh, you, you can to find, Turkey? Uh, you can find articles, scientific articles about this. and It's, it's called an extensive network of underground tunnels. Yeah. This is a lot of work, I mean, to connect practically full of Europe, you know, yeah. in such a way. But uh, when you start researching where can you go and visit, you reach almost uh, a dead end. It's and always a private property, nobody knows, no publicity, and uh, there are sections, there are photographs, they are often confused with Erdstelle. Sometimes I don't know what should be classified as Erdstelle and what should be classified as what they call Stone Age underground tunnel. Sometimes yeah. I don't see any difference. So and these, sorry, these tunnels, are, are, is it obviously um, man-made or, you know, machine-made? Yeah, yeah, the tunnels, it's, definitely, they are... Uh, they're not something that just happened to the, you know... Most Naturally. definitely they are man-made. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. 
This is the keyword that I told you. You can find a bit information online, mm. uh, prehistoric tunnels connected, connecting UK all the way from uh, UK to Turkey. There is something because uh, there is scientific research and some photos. But what is this something and how can you see it? Uh, that's that's where you cannot find any further information. That's fascinating. Do we have any um, indication of how old these tunnels are? I know it would be difficult to date stone, uh, but is there anything been found inside them that we could date? Um, no, of course, uh, there is no question of any precise uh, dating at all. Hmm. But um, I find them not that extremely old because they are still connected with the current ground level. So yeah, right, okay, based yes. on not, this, not, yeah, not buried under just debris, just general debris, so they're quite they're still present on the surface. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So based on that, they be at most a couple of uh, thousand years old. Hmm. Also in uh, Spain, there are some um, windows still overlooking uh, the valley because it's a very high cliff. Mm -hmm. So that makes me assume that they are much younger than, for example, some parts of the rock-cut cities in Turkey, also in Italy and Spain. Uh, these these rock-cut cities, they are very similar to these uh, Erdstele or dwarfish dwellings, but they seem to be much older uh, visibly much older because of the scale of erosion. Uh, it's uh, like a full mountain has been eaten up by erosion and maybe something from the core has remained. Barely any traces of uh, where did it end because that, of course, uh, falls apart first. So hmm. they are much older uh, rock-cut ruins than the dwarfish dwellings. The uh, dwellings of the little people seem to be relatively newer. Hmm. So when we, um, well, obviously we have to talk, assume these uh, people, these little people were physical beings. And uh, I've read a couple of accounts of trade between uh, dwarfs, if you will, and the Scandinavians or, or whatever. I mean, is that something you've run across? Uh, yes, there are uh, such historic accounts also in Russia. Uh, the dwarves liked to mine and a short couple of hundred years ago they would uh, trade with people. Also we have um, some artifacts from them. Uh, I'm not sure if it has an English term, but in Russian they call, call it a uh, that's the name of the style of the art that we have left from them. Of course, they are telling us that these were tribe of uh, big people, people like us, but the local people don't think so. They, they have different memory and uh, those memories are not very old, just a couple of hundred years ago. The elders uh, would would have regular contacts with the dwarf uh, tribes. Mm, and what uh, you know, these artifacts. What what material are we talking about them being made of? Are they generally metal? metal? Yeah. Yeah, all of them are metal only. Yeah. And isn't that interesting? How our own folklore tells always shows dwarfs mining, uh, you know, 
digging out these metals and all the rest of it and then we find these metal artifacts that are attributed to dwarfs. I think that's pretty compelling but do, not only that but we do find uh, mines that have already been excavated you know when we go to uh, we find a new area to mine and it's already been it looks like someone's already been at it and I know um, there's various different reasons different you know the Anunnaki and people like that have been said this is a possibility that these are them but could we be looking at the remnants of these dwarfs actually doing this uh, I think some of it definitely um, because uh, that's the case in uh, Siberia mm. that was the reason the first uh, Russian expeditions of um, scientists were dispatched there to find out who was mining the supposedly virgin mines mm. And uh, the locals knew very well. Some of the first locals that they met uh, some hundred years ago still remember the times when uh, messengers from people and dwarfs could uh, communicate anytime. They knew how to find each other. But um, uh, I don't think this is always the case. For example, on uh, the bottom of the oceans uh, near... Uh, uh, what was the name? The Dominican Republic, for example, and other places. There are uh, obvious uh, traces of, uh, I don't know, mining or shifting uh, earth uh, <clears throat> in uh, gigantic proportions. I don't know for what reason exactly. That looks uh, really, really very artificial. Not very, but absolutely. <laughs> it has even excavator marks. I don't think we can attribute that to dwarves just because dwarves uh, used to mine. Yeah. Um, I think many races uh, used to mine here, probably. Uh, you know, there are old accounts that even some uh, races from other spots came to look for uh, uh, minerals or precious metals here, why not? Well, no, if it's in abundance, someone's going to come looking for it, aren't they? Um, so, you know, that's interesting that you're saying about these uh, in Siberia, these scientists actually met with people who could remember um, tales of these dwarfs um, and the actual, you know, could sum, like almost summon them up when when needed uh, at will but what what was the did they give any reason as to why the trade link was broken uh, well uh, there is uh, no such information in the story i have read but i can tell you my personal take on it absolutely we are just uh, becoming rapidly more and more ignorant and violent no uh, yeah <laughs> And also other thing uh, that crosses my mind is um, all kinds of social engineering uh, projects are going on nowadays of which we know very little and some of them are disturbing the these natural waves, the Schumann resonances uh, which we need to be... <clears throat> which we require to be healthy and uh, also they connect us to uh, our... Uh, dimensions in other realities. So when these uh, waves are disturbed by all kinds of uh, equipment, uh, not necessarily 
something that is uh, weaponized and sent with big antennas, that's one idea, but also um, the, the Wi-Fi's and things like that. This is enormous uh, wave pollution around us. So the dwarves, we know from all the legends that um, they want to remain... Uh, they want to continue functioning in more dimensions. They are very much into magic. Yeah. They they are not interested in our modern stuff. You know, cell phones. They prefer to use telepathy. Uh, that's their uh, way of life. So um, I guess they are going underground. Probably still there are some left, and they are hiding there. And uh, Probably this wave uh, frequency pollution around us is uh, one thing they really want to escape. They don't want to be blind for blind for other dimensions as uh, we have voluntarily chosen to be. Mm. And these uh, Schumann resonances, uh, they they are still there underground. Like uh, scientists, they they can't even. Um, uh, catch these, these waves anymore because of pollution. And one way that uh, they can still uh, measure them is going deep underground where the artificial frequency pollution does not penetrate and what I call the pulse of Mother Earth, the Schumann resonances are uh, still uh, to be felt. <laughs> So almost like some sort of uh, the Earth's giving off a frequency that can uh, uh, almost what advance us if we was to access it. I mean, what what was what's what's it do? In your, in your the, the Schumann frequency, the mm. Schumann resonance, the the Schumann resonance uh, is is uh, required for a normal person to remain healthy and connected with uh, her or his higher self. When you like this, uh, you gradually tend to get sick and tired. And because the human body is designed in such a way that it changes when the circumstances change, we also devolved in, devolve when we are exposed uh, a longer time, especially in terms of few generations, one after another. We devolve into beings that are even more blind. Mm in terms of the third eye, perceiving the astral, in terms of intuition, things like this. Uh, just uh, becoming uh, more and more senseless and uh, disconnected uh, from um, higher vibrations and functioning only in survival mode. Just uh, daily things. Uh, so more yeah. am animalistic rather than... Mm -hmm. spiritual mm -hmm. i mean i have a, I have a theory and I've, you know, I've spoke about it a bit but it it goes along those lines but it's almost like um you know like children are more susceptible to seeing ghosts um you hear these stories all the time where you know children can see things that you know adults can't see and um it almost goes along with what you're saying that as they develop and get older these you know radiations and, and all the rest of it that's around us and the food that we eat um and all the chemicals and all this it almost knocks this sense out of them and obviously there's still people around you know uh, mediums and stuff like that that can still see 
ghosts and that, but is that would you say that was sort of what you're saying there is similar thing? Yes, absolutely. Originally, um, the human race, we were all mediums and uh, shamans. I mean, this is in the in the um, legends, and uh, also we are losing, at least in terms of the last few thousand and especially the last few hundred years, we are losing these abilities more and more uh, rapidly. At least most of us now, lately some people are um, trying to awaken. There is talk about the new golden age. I hope this will happen. Me too. <laughs> But the the masses, uh, the masses, they're mostly living in hypnosis of, of their cell phones, mm. and uh, it's, oh, yeah. it's getting yeah, I think, worse uh, and worse by the day. We're we're absolutely sleepwalking into becoming robots, mm-hmm. uh, you know, physically and uh, metaphorically. So, um, and it's interesting that, like you say, a lot of cultures uh, used to use dance. Uh, rhythmic drumming and uh, and all and all this to to access the spiritual uh, realm, if you will. And then, as times progress, we've needed uh, artificial uh, ways to get there. You know, uh, drugs and and all this kind of thing. So it's all it is like what you're saying. It's almost like as we're progressing, we're actually losing connection to that spiritual world, um, which I find interesting. But um, the underground thing's interesting as well, because with these ancient cultures, you tend to find that, yes, they're built above the ground. Uh, you know, you can use the pyramid as an example, but you see what's above the ground, but you don't see what's underground. And it's uh, got underground chambers almost trying to access uh, this frequency or whatever it is the Earth is giving off, uh, you know, maybe that's along the same lines because it's not just um, the pyramids. It's like you find caves in uh, Malta uh, that have been hand uh, carved out. You know, um, I think there's some ones in Europe as well. Um, so, do you think people were willingly trying to access this frequency then? Uh, I don't know if these um, underground chambers also had. Um... Uh, insulational purpose in terms of uh, frequencies because uh, yes we have legends of uh, wars of the gods which uh, resembled very much our modern nuclear weapons so some of them could be bunkers in that sense Uh, also like Alexander Kotebin, he is working on the version that uh, they were healing chamber chambers where these uh, uh, Schumann resonance uh, frequencies uh, would be used for rejuvenation and healing. Uh, or it could be even in some cases much more simple explanation, heat insulation, you know, living uh, under earth uh, uh, provides kind of more uh, stable temperature, not such big amplitudes as on the surface. My personal opinion is that um, 
it depends how old the, how old are they like in the case of the rock cut cities that is an era much older than for example the chambers of the pyramids or um, also in Russia we have these uh, chambers at Kabardino-Balkaria yeah. and just yesterday I was looking at another uh, very interesting site in Turkey it's called the Belevi Mausoleum excuse me if, if I don't pronounce it correct in English how is it called? Mausoleum? Uh, 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 mausoleum yeah yeah, Muslim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so th that's in Turkey, and um, if you Google that, you will see yes, some sort of interesting megalithic structure. But when somebody went at the spot and uh, went in the underground uh, portions, wow! I mean, that's like uh, uh, the the Osirian in Egypt, same absolutely gigantic uh, blocks that. Uh, uh, the ceiling of an entire room would be a single block. Okay. And, uh, yeah, even... And there's pictures uh, of this, is there? Yes, uh, I think I'll make a video about it soon because uh, it was uh, quite shocking of how many big megaliths we have never even heard about. And they're just out there in the fields. The full thing is not even fenced. And, uh, yeah, some people know about it, but they show you the uh, overground part only. So there are surprises every day <laughs> in this field. No, that's uh, interesting. What do we know about, because uh, a lot of these chambers have uh, a really high acoustic properties. Uh, some um, megaliths do as well. I mean, Stonehenge is, is noted for that acoustic properties. So do we know, and actually the Blue Rocks, that they quarried were were quarried for that purpose. So, do we know anything about these, uh, you know, the little people and the whether they knew about these acoustic properties, or is that something we still don't understand? No, I personally don't have any uh, reliable information on this uh, on this one. Because mm. we hear, you know, we hear tales of. Uh, these you know these giant rocks that we're talking about uh being quarried and moved and all that and we hear tales all the time of uh levitation um and almost being able to channel a frequency to levitate stone which you know to our ears sounds absolutely impossible but you know is there anything in any of the artifacts that were found or you know anything any ancient writings that you know could allude to that uh, no, what we know is very general. I personally, I'm convinced that um, sound was uh, used widely, if not uh, exclusively, in uh, all kinds of building and anything in the ancient world, because that's what all legends tell us. You know, the magician, he uh, casted the spell, which spell is, again, vibration. It's a special uh, word, or he sung something. Thing. Yeah, you always so, get the, the magic word. Yeah. The magic word. Yeah. But uh, now, how exactly they did it, I think uh, this is uh, uh, largely speculative, and people uh, have some theory, and uh, which is mostly fantasy, and then they think it's confirmed just because the ancients uh, used uh, sound. Well, they used, but it doesn't mean they used it in. 
the way everybody imagines. <laughs> so, yes, they did. But how exactly? I think we are still very, very far away, except um, and those um, attempts, uh, you know, we levitate small uh, objects already with sound. Yeah, yeah. That, that is the first step in... Uh, in uh, uh, making the magic uh, uh, a science, what we call magic, to start calling it a science. And also it uh, borders the topic of uh, transforming thoughts into uh, what we call uh, reality or three-dimensional reality. We already have devices, for example, for disabled people. They can uh, move an artificial hand with the power of their thoughts. These are products that anybody can purchase already. Mm. Uh, for example, when you think of, uh, I don't know, uh, doing something with the right hand that uh, produces certain... Um, uh, brain waves and they can be recorded by a device and uh, later on uh, transformed into a mechanical movement by the device. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, always what the shamans did. They used the power of their thought and sound vibrations, which are also, uh, fortunately nowadays, accepting more and more as a tangible thing. <laughs> yeah because they can be uh, recorded uh, with uh, devices. So what about uh, plugging in the few things together, the two things together, the technology that uh, is activated by your thoughts or by the sound vibrations? We already have speech recognition systems. What about uh, combining this with uh, some sort of a device that levitates objects? Still, we can lift the very light things, but I mean, that's how it is with every technology. You start with something small. Mm. So I don't uh, see any problem in uh, turning the magic into technology except one uh, the fact that uh, uh, all such uh, discoveries are uh, uh, hijacked from the public domain we don't even know how far they have reached uh, actually we, we don't get the benefits I mean even simple things like solar cars we know yeah, that no, they're yeah. possible even that uh, the, the commercial models are ready since, I don't know, was it decades or something like that, and still they, they are not being manufactured. This is the only problem. Yeah, they've had the, the technology for water-powered cars for, what, 30, 40 years now, but we still haven't got any. And like you say, you go to get a patent for something and you realise it's already been taken out. So you can't go and build it yourself, so... That's, uh, and like you say, that'll probably be the case with these types of technologies as well. You'll probably go and find that somebody's already doing it somewhere, but we just don't know about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, the main problem. And, uh, that's on lower level. On a higher level, I think that all these uh, mechanical devices, um, are uh, fa far inferior than um, doing it directly uh, by sound without the needs, need of these um, mechanic uh, intermediums. I don't know if that's the correct word. That's the way yeah, yeah. shamans heal and uh, influence events. Uh, 
around. That's that's the right way to do it. And uh, yeah, here it's not only about keeping such things uh, secret here. Humanity as a whole, um, we will not uh, take advantage of whatever knowledge is out there just because of narrow-mindedness and living in a small matchbox. Mm. Is so, it, I was going to say, is it possible that uh, our brains are not able to function in in the way that they used to function? Or do you think it's still in there, we just need to access it? Um, certainly, many of our uh, original capabilities of humans are dormant nowadays, that's for sure. In terms of accessing uh, the astral, they had been subdued for generations, and so I believe we are um, somewhat of a poor version, a joke of the original human. But if we reverse this in in course of, uh, um, I don't know how many generations, we will gradually activate again all these uh, senses that we had i find it interesting i mean uh you mentioned him earlier but we had uh, brian forster on uh, a couple of shows back and we was looking at some of these buildings that you know the technology that went into building uh these structures was far and away superior to the people that came after after uh you know and then built their structures on top so something in our history was is definitely off um, and like you say, you can see it in the, you know, the caves that you're talking about. You can see it in the, the Mayan ruins, or you can see it in Peru, and you can just see it with your eyes. Uh, you know, and then we talked about Gebekli Tepe and uh, Baalbek and all these places all around the world. It's just so obvious when you look at them. Uh, and I'm interested to see that one in Turkey that you were talking about as well. But um, it's so obvious when you look at them that something was used, uh, and it won't technology as we know it it wasn't you know mechanical as such something else was going on um and whether we can ever get back to that i'm not sure i hope so but <laughs> you know but um i suppose to finish then we should uh on the dwarfs or the little people because it, obviously little people are still being seen uh, and reported in uh, america and these are somewhat like um miniature uh, Bigfoot's um, kind of description. But as, as far as dwarves go, do we have any recent report and gnomes, do we have any recent reports of people seeing them, you know, recently? Uh, for example, on the Flores Islands of Indonesia, according to some locals, there are very few of them still left. And they are described pretty much as the little people of uh, America that you just uh, mentioned. And as far as uh, Siberia, uh, yes, I think they have um, 
severed their contacts with humans so recently, just a couple of hundreds of years ago, and went to live underground. I don't think they should have disappeared so fast. But I would like to mention that often on various continents, we hear stories of abductions, that uh, dwarves sometimes abduct human uh, because they suffer from, uh, is it called interbreeding? What the dwarves do? So they, yeah. need, they need to uh, increase their, their genetic uh, yeah. gene pool, yeah? Yeah, okay. the gene pool. So, so they must be pretty you... similar to us then if they're able to do that. Yes, if they're able to make uh, children with uh, us, then mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I um, we recently did a show on, uh, I think it was Iceland, where a woman said she'd been taken by uh, elves I think that's what they call them there. Uh, but, you know, same thing. And they um, had raped her and uh, was using her for that. So, <laughs> I don't, you know. So it's... Uh, but was this, uh, like, um, happening in our dimension or on the astral plane? I'm not sure, because she said she was taken in... Uh, she said that... Um, I'm pretty sure she said that a hillside... That, like, a door in a hillside opened up and she was taken inside the hill. And I think when she came out... She thought she'd been in there a couple of hours or whatever. When she came out, seven years had passed. Oh. Uh-huh. So okay. we could be talking about another dimension almost there, couldn't we? Mm-hmm. Well, if... yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. So, yes, yeah, so I suppose we won't know whether these creatures can access. I mean, you're you're sort of saying that, though, aren't you? You're sort of thinking along the lines of these creatures almost being from or able to access another dimension. Oh, yes. They are always described as being very much into magic. And that's how we were also in the not so far away past. We, they, they, uh, decided to hide from us when we started, uh, diving deep into ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's true. In the, uh, in the stories of the dwarfs, and did we have any, uh, timescales how long these people could live for? Was it average, you know, uh, the average time span of a human or could they live for longer? Do we know? Uh, no, uh, that I don't know. Hmm. So that would be interesting to find out, especially when you're talking about the the uh, genetic uh, depletion. That that would almost seem like they're not living as long, you know, um, or maybe there's just fewer of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got the impression from these uh, legends, which are, by the way, in Asia and Europe, uh, that it, they're just low in numbers. That's that's why they sometimes kidnap uh, humans. Mm. So the dwarves and the gnomes in Siberia, places like that, I mean, these these obviously had uh, access to, to uh, materials, uh, metals and such, and they obviously traded with people for other things that they didn't have access to them. I'm presuming they they would trade for um, fairs or you know reindeer skins or whatever it was. Um, so th- I'm presuming by that that they wore clothes because these the hobbits in um, Malaysia and uh, Sumatra and jungle and places like that and the little people in America that normally said to be naked. So did, did the dwarfs? Is that how we distinguish between the two? Did the dwarfs wear clothing? As far as I understand, they do, and they are far more civilized. But I think that's um, normal, because even um, we humans, even 
we have tribes na- right now in the Amazon jungle mm. which uh, wander naked and uh, have almost no uh, signs of being civilized. They even eat raw even people, raw people, even nowadays, there are still tribes uh, that uh, attack other people, just kill them on the spot with stones and eat them raw. I'm sorry to <laughs> describe such horrible scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but this is uh, happening, uh, n- not so much, uh, but some of them still exist. And that is just a few uh, hours uh, drive away from civilized places. Mm-hmm. They could... Um, maintain such a traditional way of life, so to say, just because uh, the areas where they live are very inhospitable, full of all kinds of bugs and mosquitoes, and a few times per year being flooded completely like five meters high flood. (laughs) So we couldn't uh, go and uh, civilize them. So we know how uh, humans no, can... No, should we? <laughs> yeah, no, should we? But uh, this is a very good example that, uh, you know, they're also humans like us. They just uh, live a bit differently. Mm. So what is the problem with the dwarves also having uh, uh, large differences uh, inside their race in terms of uh, living uh, standards and uh, uh, higher achievements. It is possible. And um, at the end, maybe those dwarves uh, survived, which live in more inhospitable areas. Mm. You know, yeah, I was wondering why, you know, is that's the reason why they tend to live underground because of these places where they do live, uh, like you say, you know, maybe they can't live in the open. Uh, yes, there is. Um, sometimes uh, people say that they always hide from sunlight because uh, their eyes are not adapted for it. Uh, they have lived underground too much and uh, uh, their eyes become too wide. They have the feeling that they will burst out. So that's why they go out only at night. Mm. And this is something normal to happen over generations of living uh, underground. There was um, the underground, uh, the tunnels and, and what you've talked about earlier. I mean, that's fascinating to me. And uh, there is um, stories, and this is a bit more paranormal, I guess, but there is stories in London where they used to use um, uh, tube stations, you know, train stations underground. Mm-hmm. Used to have them there, don't you? Well, uh, they used to have used to use them as air raid shelters. Well, you know, back in the war, and actually, a lot of these stations are not, they're not disused now, but they're still there. And you hear stories of maintenance workers going down there. Uh, you know, these pe- these places have been shut off for you know, thirty, forty years. Um, but you hear stories of maintenance workers having to go down there to access cables and stuff, and actually running into these creatures, uh, humanoid creatures that live on the ground. Uh, and and they say they um, if you shine a light they don't they don't like it they they don't like the light they'll stay away from the light um, not not dwarfs per se but but still humanoid creatures you know so but mm-hmm. it, it takes on a more paranormal twist because you can't explain it you know but um, I wonder if these these tunnels what you're talking about ha- have these creatures. 
Of course, they are connected to some creatures, but from my limited research on all these tunnels and underground cities, which seem to be connected with uh, the tunnels, is uh, that uh, various races have lived in them and have reused them. Like uh, there was this uh, uh, English scientist, he devoted, uh, I believe, months of his uh, life living in Turkey and studying um, and the rock cut the underground cities over there. And his conclusion was that at some point they were reused by a uh, race or races of dwarves because they were repairs, uh, visibly uh, secondary additions. And then the steps would be much smaller, like toilets, size of toilets, and then the beds uh, and things like this would be adapted for smaller size people. So I think we should um, not always uh, see the things like black and white. Okay, the tunnels were used by aliens. The tunnels were used by uh, cavemen. The tunnels were used by dwarves. I think actually all of them used them at some at some point and reused them over the ages. So uh, I'm still is... using them. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, it's well, it's interesting, isn't it? All of it, really. I mean, uh, and the fact that it's not being looked into more serious, uh, you know, particularly those those uh, tunnels and stuff. I mean, we just didn't have the technology to do that. Uh, you know, quarrying rock and excavating, getting it out, uh, not just, you know, and then living underground is hazardous to humans generally anyway because of uh, toxic build-ups and, and all the rest of it. So if whatever was living down there must have been able to to breathe down there, you know? So... You know, that's been part of the reason why we can't live on the ground now, unless we've got great ventilation. So I just wonder what we what we are dealing with. But I guess um, we don't know. Like you said, it could be could be all 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 the things used them at some point. So hmm, have you got anything um, else I need to know about the dwarfs that I've not asked? Oh, that's a, that's a, well, in general, the situation with the dwarves that we know so little about them is because we don't want to know, like, uh, everything uh, is, this uh, locking up of tunnels, making them uh, secret, uh, inability to explore them, hiding artifacts in the museums. All this is organized on government level. Mm. But when people go to elections, they never make this connection. They uh, approach it very superficial, like the politicians are insulting each other with uh, inappropriate words. Or this, this is uh, so, so superficial. People forget the main things. Uh, what kind of people we need? We need honest people who will tell us, uh, who, who will open the truth for us, at least where we come from. Mm. Uh, it, of course, this is not the main thing, but I mean, uh, honesty also, uh, where, where do we come from and what, uh, what kind of world do we live in even nowadays, which is even more important. So w- when uh, 
people decide to venture beyond this superficial kindergarten uh, level and uh, think deeply before electing their leaders, uh, then uh, the revelation of the truth will come. And I think we are very far from it. I don't even see any movement, uh, mass movement towards uh, more sanity in the world in general. Uh, the ancient history is just one small part of it, of, of all it, of this cover-up of the real, of the reality and uh, making us live in an artificial reality of, uh, of a horror movie, basically. That's mm. what the world is uh, turned into. Absolutely, and that's and that seems to uh, only look like it's going to uh, accelerate uh, over the coming years. So, yeah. But um, do you want to tell people where they can find you? I'm going to put a link in the uh, show notes anyway. But if you want to, yeah, my website is megalits.org. I'm attempting to make it, to make it the most interesting uh, directory of. Um, ancient uh, sites with a complete interactive map. I have never seen such a map anywhere else containing all the interesting uh, sites. All the other maps are very partial or deal with one aspect only. So megalits.org is the website and my YouTube channel is called New Earth. New Earth, yeah. I've got some great videos on it. The the maps are interesting because it don't matter whether you look talking about uh, Bigfoots or or you know megalithic structures. Once you start putting them on a map, you can really see, you know, there's something going on. Um, so that's definitely worth checking out. But um, yeah, so just remains to say thank you very much for coming on. Well, I thank you for the opportunity to bring my message to people. <laughs> <laughs>